Welcome to Choosing Leadership and this is another episode of the Visionary Voices series with your host Sumit Gupta. In this dynamic new series of episodes I am bringing you thought provoking conversations with visionary leaders who have reshaped industries, challenged norms and carved their own paths to success. In a world where leadership is a blend of art and science, where the ability to navigate uncertainty is as important as fostering innovation, we are diving headfirst into the minds of those who have mastered this craft. Join us as we discover the nuances of decision making and unveil the uncharted territories of visionary leadership. Get ready to choose leadership not just as a role but as a conscious journey of growth, transformation and influence. In the interview, Mark, assistant professor of practice in public relations at Rutgers University, shares valuable insights about the evolving workspace landscape where multi-generational teams are collaborating each day. He emphasizes the vital role of millennials as the bridge generation, as they play a crucial role in connecting diverse generations and the need to strike a balance between managing up and mentoring younger employees. Mark also highlights the evolving priorities of Gen Z and ultimately he emphasizes transformative leadership and the need to adapt to a changing world while fostering collaboration and empathy in multi-generational teams. Hi, Mark. Welcome to the Choosing Leadership Podcast. Thank you very much. Honored to be here. Absolutely. So why don't you start by introducing yourself and a little bit about what do you do? Absolutely. So I've spent the past 30 years in public relations and marketing, working for an agency based in New York, collaborating with category-leading brands, developing campaigns for them. And most of those campaigns were around major sports and entertainment properties, the Olympic Games, the Super Bowl halftime show, the Rolling Stones. And so we were creating campaigns to engage key audiences. And for many of those years, especially 2005, 2010, 2015, the target audience or the primary audience for many of those brands were millennials. And so that was a major focus anytime we developed campaigns. And it was around 2017 or so where I had what I called an aha moment. I was just left teaching a class at Rutgers University. It was on my way to my office. And I said, well, millennials have been the focus. Generation Z will become the focus in 2023, 24, 25. So we're seeing that play out now for both marketers on the brand side. Many brands right now, they've shipped their focus to how do we engage Generation Z. But we're also seeing it, of course, in the workplace where corporations are trying to figure out how do we recruit and most importantly, retain and engage Gen Z employees so that they don't leave as quickly as they arrive. So that's been my focus. And as part of that, I do teach full-time at Rutgers University. So I teach public relations and marketing courses. I like to say I have the best of both worlds. I spent 30 years in public relations and marketing, and now I get to collaborate each and every day with students today, many of whom are Gen Z students. So I get to learn firsthand from them what's engaging them, what, mar- what brands and marketers are engaging them. What are they doing on their channels? What content is influencing them? So each and every day I have my own Gen Z think tank where I get to collaborate and learn from Gen Zers and then share some of those insights and information with brands that are looking for it. Absolutely. And I think marketing and leadership has a lot in common because there is limited time and then you sometimes you have to convey a lot. But before, before we come to that, you talked about insights. Can you share what have been some of those surprising insights for you that have been learning moments for you? Just in general or Gen Z related or? Yeah. So when talking to or working with, interacting with people from 
Zen Z? What has been those? Absolutely. There's a several, which I, when I, when I'm asked to speak to audiences, I always highlight some of the following. First is a great quote, and I wish I came up with it, but I didn't. But the former CMO of MTV said they're the first generation that learned to swipe before they wiped. They've had technology in their hands since the age of one, two, or three. They adopt to technology. They welcome technology. They welcome ways to improve efficiencies using technology, whether that's with their own content creation company, their startup, or even if it's where they're working now as a full-time employee. Tech savvy, digital natives is, is of course one. Number two, they are the most inclusive, the most inclusive generation, the most diverse generation. They're looking for that in organizations they join, whether that's a club on, on a campus, whether that's the employer where they ultimately go work, they want to go to where they're working at. That really prioritizes diversity of thought, diversity of background, diversity of ideas, diversity of experiences. They prioritize diverse inclusion. And as part of that, I call it the B word. They want to belong. They really want to belong. So again, if we're looking at it from Gen Zers going on to work, well, they don't want to just be a cog in the machine at a company. They want to feel like they belong at that company, like they're delivering value at that company. So that's another kind of pillar, what I'll call it. A third one would be, I call them the purpose generation. They are looking to support brands as customers and even advocates who have a higher purpose. So Patagonia is a brand that they will tell you is a purpose-driven brand. And it's usually the number one brand that they'll talk about and a brand they admire because of that. But they also want to go to work for companies that prioritize purpose. So it's not just the sole focus of the company isn't just to generate a profit and revenue, but it's to also have a higher purpose, to contribute to a better world, to a better society, to a better community. So that's really important to them as well. A fourth pillar would be that they are um, mental health is a top priority and a top goal setting area. And I believe that they are contributing right now to making mental health less of a taboo topic and more of a topic that's being discussed, not just in culture, but also on the employee side in the workplace. We see more and more companies in the past year or two now offering things like mental health days. They weren't offering that before 2020. We see companies now closing for World Mental Health Day in the fall. They weren't doing that two, three, four years ago. So I think Gen Z has a, is a contributor to that. I also think there are celebrities in pop culture and sports that are also contributing. But for Gen Z, it's a very important focus area, and they are opening that dialogue and that discussion. And then I'll throw one more out there. I, I say unprecedented entrepreneurial spirit and mindset. And I had someone recently challenge me on that and said, we've had entrepreneurs forever. And I said, we have. Whoever invented the wheel was an entrepreneur. But Gen Z's had technology that didn't exist 20 years ago. It's had technology that millennials didn't have access to, that Xers didn't have access to, that boomers didn't have access to. And as we talked about earlier, Gen Z craves new technology, whether that's an app or a product or a service, whatever it is. And so not only do they crave it and not only do they adopt it very quickly, but they then utilize and leverage it to, again, start a 501c3 nonprofit, create a startup company, use it to perhaps get the job done more efficiently at work. They've got an interesting, and I call it unprecedented entrepreneurial mindset and spirit that I don't think we've seen before. But again, part of that is because They've got technology that didn't exist 15, 20, 25 years ago, and they're using that to take that entrepreneurial spirit and mindset and bring it to life in the form of, again, a nonprofit, a startup, whatever it might be. So those are just some of what I call my pillars when I discuss Gen Z and introduce Gen Z to, again, at a conference or a corporation. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. And I think 
that can create a huge disconnect in how the Gen Z sees the world and how people from previous generations have had. How do you propose people listen, first of all, listen to when you have Gen Z people in your workforce, how do you listen? And then how do you communicate your ideas? Absolutely. So I'll just plug a little bit. I recently came out with my new book, which is titled ZEO, Introducing Generation Z, the New Generation of Leaders. And I use that term ZEO for a reason. And it goes to your question. When I graduated from college many years ago, and by the way, I'm a Gen Xer, we were in more of a workplace where I was given tasks. I was assigned these tasks. I had to complete these tasks and at the end of the day, deliver what I had done. That still happens to some extent today, right? But what I tell employers is don't just limit your interaction, your collaboration with Gen Zers to simply, here's 10 tasks, get these done by five, six o'clock tonight. Instead, leverage that entrepreneurial mindset. Give them the opportunity as what I call ZEOs to maybe launch something new, try something new, create something new. It doesn't have to be high risk, but maybe there's an initiative that co the company has never has talked about and talked about, but they just never started or launched or tried, whether that be community-based, whether that be diversity, equity, and inclusion-based, whether that be maybe a, a new line within the company, a new revenue source, whatever it might be. And maybe they've discussed it, but they haven't, but if you give your Gen Zers, those CEOs, the chance to ideate against it and put some time against it. Maybe not as the main focus of their day, but as a side project, you're going to be pleasantly surprised with what they come back with, as opposed to just putting them in the corner, get these things done. So that, to me, there's a difference between, and Gen Z will talk about this, there's a difference between just managing an employer, managing a Gen Z and mentoring them. And so I think managing is the old tried and true, here's some tasks, get them done, report back, here's some more tasks, get done. And again, that's not going to go away. Mentoring is more, again, empowering, giving them an opportunity to flex that entrepreneurial mindset muscle, giving them the chance to maybe test and learn, try something. And again, yeah. it does not have to be at a high risk. It can be very low risk, but if they come back with something as a group of CEOs and they come back with a solution, a program, a campaign, an initiative, the results of that could be, who knows, they could far exceed the expectations of those that gave them that opportunity. My point is always, I just say, empower your yeah. CEOs. Don't just treat them as entry-level employees. Absolutely. Yeah. And a key part of our workforce is also the processes, the systems that we have designed. And most of the times they have been carried away from an assembly line, from a factory age kind of. Where do you see that? Does that create friction or how do you see the workplace of the future evolving? Oh, that's a great, that's a great point. As you said, no matter what industry you are, there are certain processes, systems that have just been in place. And it's challenging to change those, right? To innovate and transform. So I think, I think right now, hopefully a combination of things going on, right? There's instead of just satis being satisfied with the status quo, the old expression, we've done it this way for years and maybe it's worked for years. Why not try, test, learn? Yeah, and I always talk about test and learn because I think it's a good way of saying it. It's not maybe jumping fully in, but it's, why don't we just test and learn? So I'll give you a small, this is not a great example, but I'll give you a small example. But I think more and more companies from what I hear from my recent graduates are using maybe Slack more than email. Slack for some, especially maybe older generations might be, wow, what, 
why don't we just stick to email? But Slack can be more efficient. We can get things done more quickly. We can get answers more quickly. So maybe there's some value in it. And so as college students graduate and go to the workforce, they may suggest to a team, maybe they're part of a project team. Hey, why don't we try Slack or use Slack for this? So I think the point is, as a, again, I can point to myself and say, as an older Gen Xer who's been in the business for 30 years, I might be very averse to that. Why do we have to do that? Let's just stick with good old email. But they probably can present an argument that says, because we can get things done more efficiently, we can get answers more quickly. We, so again, it's one small example. And I think it's just the point of being open-minded to some of the technology, some of the channels, some of the platforms that they may be introducing or suggesting and not simply just putting up the hand and saying no. Instead, maybe listen, learn and say, okay, let's test and learn. Let's try it out. Yeah, yeah. I want to bring in two words, starting with E. The first one being experience. Yes. And the second one being ego. And I think when you go through a period of struggle, as a lot of older folks have gone through, there is that an experience which you value and you want to give back from that place. But it also makes you egoistic in a way because you want, right? Because you want to give it back, but you want to give it back your way, right? Yes. So how do you see that play out, right? Where, what is the role of experience? And then what is the role of ego creating friction in that relationship, especially between leaders, like C-level folks, directors, VPs, and then people who are coming in, but they don't see themselves as lesser than anybody else. I love that question for a couple of reasons. One, I've been on the road quite a bit lately, traveling to companies, and some of the new slides that I present talk about this unprecedented multi-general workplace, which generational workplace, which we're in now. So at some workplaces, some, you could have as many as Gen Zers as the young entry-level employees, millennials as anywhere between that 10 years, 11 years, 12 years, 13, 14 years. So they're rising through the ranks. Gen Xers like me, who are now 30 years into their career, boomers, and then you could even have, could have members of the silent generation who we're talking mid-70s, late 70s, could be the CEO, right? Or in the C-suite. What I talk about when I present those slides, first thing I said is, Says every generation brings value to the workplace. Each and every one of them does. And I'm going to get to your E-word in a second because the E-word is really important here. But they bring value that comes in different shapes and forms, right? So for the silent generation, for the boomers, for the Xers, I lead with my slide and the headline is experience counts. What I mean by that is they've got something that Gen Zers don't have. Millennials are gaining, but they have something that Gen Zers definitely don't have. They have 30, 35, 40 plus years of experience. Lessons learned, failures, success stories, case studies, an incredible network of contacts who can help conduct business and all those kinds of things. Relationships, just all those things. That's experience. Powerful stuff. Gen Z doesn't have that at all. They can't. They haven't been around long enough to have that, right? So I always talk about experience counts. Don't discount the experience of an older generation who's been working 30, 35, 40, 45 years. And don't look at them as just antiquated or stuck in their ways because all that experience will inform and inspire future programs, future projects, future campaigns, all those things. Millennials who are, I'll say in the middle there, what I talk about all the time and millennials appreciate this when I say it at the workplace, I say that millennials are the critical bridge between those, we'll call them those older Xers, boomers and silent generation and Gen Z. And so millennials have got a ton of pressure on them right now and they know it, they feel it. With that, they're in that critical bridge. They're the ones connecting the C-suite, the president, the leaders with the younger generation. They have to manage up and they have to manage down. 
they have to report to the, we'll call it the senior executives, but then they're being basically told to mentor this new generation, these young kids, these new people have just started. So incredible pressure. If that bridge breaks, there is big trouble. Millennials are that bridge. They are that bridge right now. They're, to me, maybe others won't like to hear this. I think they are the most valuable generation in the workforce right now because they are the bridge that connects, again, the older generations with these new generation that just arrived, Gen Z. And they are, in essence, again, managing up, managing down. They still aspire to grow and eventually become the C-suite, become the leaders. But they now have been tasked with mentoring and helping Gen Zers evolve. And so they are in a really interesting situation. They're again in the middle with, they've got quite a bit of experience, especially your older millennials have quite a bit of experience, but they still are probably reporting to someone who's above them. And then with Gen Z, we've talked about this, I'll make it short, but Gen Z has no experience. They really don't have limited yeah. experience. Right? Your oldest Gen Zers turned 26 this year in 2023. So we've had at most, the oldest Gen Zers have been in full-time careers at most Four or five years. That's experience, but it's not 30 years experience, 35 years experience, 40 years. And the networks while growing are still relatively small compared to, again, even millennials, Xers, boomers, et cetera. So it's a really interesting place we're in, but it all goes to the point of the E word, the first E word, experience counts. Yeah. Don't discount the experience. And again, when I talk experience, I always mention failures, lessons learned, successes, historical oh. knowledge contacts. So that's the first thing. So experience counts. And Gen Z just doesn't have. Uh, they've got some experience, but they don't have vast experience. Yeah. And then the second part, ego. I love ego. I love that you bring that up because I think in a few of my books, I always talk about the idea of, especially when I talk to Gen Zers, I talk about leave your ego kind of at the door. When you go into the workplace with the idea of just being collaborative, soaking in as much knowledge as you can, gaining as much information. You, you don't just, you don't have the successes and the case studies to stand on. So instead, go in there and just want to learn. But to your point, it sounds like on the other side, with 30 or 40 years experience, there, there's a little bit of ego there. But I think it's probably, at least my feeling is, again, being an exer who's now almost 30, uh, we'll just say 30 plus years in my career, my brain has shifted now to where it's more about how can I help the next generations? How can I help them? So it, it's changed from the focus on the business at hand to more of a, a more of a purposeful, right? More of being purposeful, more of taking my experience, my contacts, my experience, my case studies, and somehow use that to empower future generations or the next generation. So I look at it more from like that as a shift at some point. And I, uh, I don't think there's any magical year when it happens for an older generation, but I think at yeah. some point it's about how can I help those who are following in my footsteps? Yeah. Yeah. And coming to purpose, I think that itself is a big shift, right? Because for a lot of the previous generations, it was about either earning money or earning survival or accomplishing success. So yes. how do you, how would you propose that leadership deal with that younger generation who suddenly now wants to belong or suddenly wants to contribute to something larger than, larger than the company itself? Absolutely. So I agree with you. I was talking about, I think there's been a shift or there we're in the midst of a shift from a sole focus on profit, mm. now more of a focus on purpose. So we went from 1P profit. Now, profit is still important, right? Because <laughs> if you're not profiting, company's not going to survive, right? So it's still important. But I think post-2020 and the milestone events of 2020, so everything, including the pandemic, the Black Lives Matter awakened, 
I think many companies and many industries took a look at themselves and said, we're not purposeful enough. We're not contributing to a better society, a better community, a better world. We need to do more of that. So I think that really jump-started the idea that we as a company need to be more purposeful. I, I do teach one course every year titled Purposeful Public Relations, and I bring in examples well beyond Patagonia about companies and brands that demonstrate purpose, whether equal to profit or in Patagonia's place, I think they actually prioritize it over profit. But one good example is MasterCard. If you read and hear and listen to their CMO since 2020, he's gone on record and saying, no campaign, no program will leave our headquarters unless it ladders up to a higher purpose. It's just one small example, but even there, that's a major shift, right? That's a shift because I don't think they were saying that pre-2020. And I think there's many companies out there like that now that even when they put out a campaign, again, marketing, advertising, whatever, that could be a fun campaign, a lighthearted campaign. Many of them are now anchoring though around a purpose. Now, purpose might be simply just we're partnering with this charity or partnering with this organization. And that's fine. I'd probably put that more in the corporate social responsibility bucket, but it's yeah. at least recognizing that it can't all be about a transactional relationship with the consumer. It can't all be about push marketing and push promotion. We do have to have a higher purpose if we're going to want to engage what we talked about earlier, the purpose generation. And I think as the companies and brands learn more about Generation Z and understand that purpose is a priority for them, they're going forth in a slightly different way where they're actually prioritizing purpose. And again, it could be at the company-wide enterprise level, which again, a brand like or a company like Patagonia, it's at this level. And if it's not at this level, but it's campaign by campaign to be more purposeful, at least that is contributing in some ways to just being more purposeful. Yeah, yeah. The one thing which I want to talk about next is the role of business leaders in a wider leadership discussion around politics, around socioeconomic conditions, because earlier companies used to say that we don't take a political stance, right? But these days your employees, especially the younger employees, want their leaders to express opinions, let's say about the Black Lives Matter movement and the war in Ukraine. So how do leaders, or in fact, leadership itself, how is it changing? What challenges does it present for people who have grown up in that space that this is external, this is business, and now suddenly you want me to talk about, which I don't see this as like relevant to our business. Yeah, it's... I always talk about the most powerful leaders to me are transformative leaders. So they're leaders that aren't stuck in their ways. There are leaders that aren't just, again, I said it earlier, satisfied with the status quo. This is how it's always been done, right? Sometimes the world changes so drastically that maybe we need to change with it. We need to transform with it. We need to be more innovative. And to your point, for many years, especially you brought up politics is a good example, right? It was like... Politics is here, companies here and far apart. But in today's world, they seem to be getting coming together more and more. If you work for a company and there is some sort of milestone event in the world, whatever that event is, let's just let's just go back to 2020 and say Black Lives Matter Awakening, which yeah. again, I use the word awakening because it really became this moment where people stopped, listened, took time to learn more, understand more. If you're the leader of any kind of company, large, maybe smaller, I think your employees are looking for what's our position? What's our point of view? What's your point of view as the leader of this company? What are we doing on our channels to share our point of view? Whatever it is. I think the key is, and again, this is more from my marketing brain, it can't be a me too kind of thing. 
It can't be our competitors are all out there saying this. So we need to say something because if that's the motive, that's not, that's not what it's about. So I think it's got to be, and this is what Gen Z talks about is important to them, genuine, authentic in the message, in the action, in the delivery, whatever it might be. So again, but I think you raised the point of we're in a completely different workplace, workforce, and generation now where maybe unlike when I came out of college many years ago, and I wasn't looking for leaders to share their POV, their point of view, their whatever. This generation is actually, right? Because they, they want to know what their, how their company is reacting or responding to this situation in the world or this scenario or this movement or this awakening in the world. And so you raise a really good point. I'm not saying it's easy because it's not, right? It's not easy. You really got to think about it. You've got one chance to articulate a point of view, a message, whatever that might be. But I think what you talked about is the key is this new generation of employees. And I don't mean just Gen Z. I think also millennials. They're looking for what is our North Star? How are we reacting? How are we responding? As as I'm part of this company, which I'm part of this community, which is my company, and I want them to better understand what the leaders think and those kinds of things. So I, yeah, I think there's more demand, if that's the right word, for what is our point of view? What's our opinion, right? Where do we stand on this particular issue? And that doesn't mean that on every single topic issue of the day, companies need to respond. No, but some rise to the point where your employees are craving for where do we stand? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think the world is very different right now, right? The interconnected world. The prevalence of internet, which was very different, right? Something happening in your neighborhood and you can be totally isolated from it. But that also means that even those leaders who have been in the workforce for decades need to learn or change the way they communicate, the way they lead. And what is it that they can learn from the millennial or the Gen Z generation, which can actually help them? And how can we create those channels in companies or even in the wider society? You raise a great point. I talk a lot about owned media channels, right? So every company, corporation, brand, big or small, from your smallest, I'll just say a small business to a small nonprofit to a large global corporation has owned channels, right? So we talk about their owned media channels. And by the way, I teach several courses on this topic. These channels didn't exist 23, 24, five years, 25 years. Maybe you had a website, maybe we'll say 25 years ago. That was probably it. Today, as a brand, as a corporation, you've got the website, of course, but you've got LinkedIn, where you may have more people following you on LinkedIn and following your thought leadership. You've got, I guess it's called X now, but it used to be Twitter. You've got, potentially have Instagram, Facebook, maybe a TikTok channel. You potentially, as a company or a brand, might even have your own podcast that you actually produce and own and distribute. You might have any number of other channels. And unlike 25 years ago, where to your point, you had to get that message out to platforms like business publications, trade publications, newspapers, magazines, whatever, radio and television, you actually can produce and distribute the messages that you want to get out there to both internal stakeholders, employees, but external stakeholders, customers, potential employees, and other critical stakeholders. And so there's power in that and there's power to leverage that. But again, I think it's really critical. It's got to be thoughtful thought leadership. It's got to be, you've got one chance to deliver that message. You can't deliver it and then five minutes later, remove it and put another message out there. So we are in an age now where 
the channels are there, the platforms are there, the com- companies are using them all the time to promote and market things. They should also be there to share thought leadership and the position they have. And so I think to your point, Gen Zers are turning to those channels more than any other channels for that thought leadership, for that point of view. I talk about it all the time and I mean it. Gen Z doesn't watch traditional television. They just don't. They go to, and again, I, I don't want to call them new channels, but they're going to channels that didn't exist 20, 20, 25 years ago for information, for content, to conduct research. Gen Z uses LinkedIn a lot, especially when it comes to workplace and leadership. They're using it to seek out thought leadership. They're using it to post their own thought leadership and distribute. So the point you make is every brand, every company has these channels at their disposal and they're using them every day, but they could also be using them when they are ready to do- deliver a genuine and authentic message about a societal issue, any, anything happening in the world or right in their backyard, in their neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. And this brings me back to the millennial generation, which you called the bridge. What skills are required? How do we empower them, train them so that they don't get caught between like a rock and a tough place or middle management even itself has been called a stressful and thankless place to be many times. So how can the millennial generation actually lead or actually influence both the sides? I I think millennials, the thing about millennials and again, just ballpark years, right? So early 80s, 80, 81, somewhere there to 96, because I say Gen, I don't say, Pew Research has Gen Z starting in 97. So if we say Gen Zers go up to say 96, excuse me, millennials. So your youngest millennials, youngest millennials, if we're going to say Pew Research Center says Gen Z starts at, in 1997, your youngest millennials, if my math is right, we're talking about around 27 this year. Let's see, four, three, yeah, 27. So your youngest millennials, 27, they've got a big range there though, because You've got millennials who are approaching mid-40s, 42, 43, 44. So 20, let's just say 27 to say 43, 44. To your point, some of those millennials, especially in those 40s, they're actually already in leadership positions. They may still be part of that bridge, but they are rising through the ranks. They have greater influence than ever before. They have greater influence with, I'll just call it the C-suite, with the leadership team. Many of those millennials may actually have been promoted and are sitting in a C-suite position, a leadership position, a president position. So I think millennials more than ever, again, I go back and I've said this a few times. I do think they are the most, I said, valuable, the most critical, the most important generation in the workplace right now, because again, they are sending into leadership roles. And if maybe they're not all the way at the top yet, I think they're having influence at the top. And I think they're being you know, they're earning their way up there to where they will be in that position. If we said the oldest millennials are 43, 44, maybe 45, five years from now, six years, they're 50. And in five, six years, they probably are mm. in that senior team. So uh, yeah, I go back to every time I present, I just did this a few days ago and I go, I had an audience of 50 people and I said, where are my millennials? And they raised their hand. I said, you're the most valuable right now. You're, you're again, managing up, you're managing down, you're the important bridge. You're moving into leadership roles where you now are going to be the one putting out the thought leadership, putting out the point of view. So I just think they're in a really unique and interesting place because they're still rising through the ranks and they are going to be assuming senior roles each and every year over the next five, 10 years as Gen Zers follow behind them. Yeah. And I want to wrap this up by focusing on your journey itself, right? So you 
worked for a long time in an agency and now you're teaching and you're traveling and you're speaking about this, right? Can you share a bit about this shift? Was this a purpose-driven shift? And when did you warmed up to the idea of a purpose? How has that journey evolved? Oh, I love it. Thank you for asking that question because that's been really on my mind lately. No, it was not a purpose, to your point, it was not a purpose-driven shift. It was more of a, you know, 30 years in one industry and the opportunity just came to me to teach one course. And one course led to two and two led to three and three led to a full-time role. So in that case, none of that was planned. I think it was purely just accidental and an opportunity that came in front of me. But as I taught each class and I was helping more students secure internships and secure jobs and help them prepare for job interviews, I started having this thought of this is becoming my purpose or my purpose now. Because as I said earlier, for by the first 30 years, my purpose or my focus was how do we generate more profit? How do we generate more business? And now it's really become, how do I help the next generation, whether that's Gen Z now or Gen Alpha, by the way, we haven't talked about Gen Alpha. The oldest Gen Alphas are 11. So Gen Alpha in say 10 years as they're in college, how do I help them? How do I leverage my, we talked about earlier, experience counts, the word. How do I leverage my experience? How do I leverage my vast network of contacts, which I try to do every single day? How do I leverage, again, my successes, my failures? And so that has become my purpose. But to your point, I, I didn't accept that first teaching job or that first course and say, oh, this is my purpose now. It's happened. And then, by the way, that was exactly 10 years ago uh, this September. So 10 years ago this September, I taught my first ever college course. And what's funny is I just drafted last night a LinkedIn post, which I'll probably put out this week, that talks about my purpose. But I said that 10 years ago, I didn't realize this was going to be my purpose. It's evolved into that. And now it fully is my purpose. So my purpose now, as you said, is to really just leverage my experience leverage my contacts and help the next generation of students get to where they want to get to, whether certain jobs, certain professions, certain passions, certain area of interest. And so that's really been what I've been doing now for the past 10 years, but I really want to focus even more on that. So to me, that becomes my purpose for the next 10, 15, 20, 25 years, but never intentional, never was a plan. It happened accidentally, but as more and more of it, as I collaborate with more and more, so I've kind of lost track, but I would say collaborated with thousands, whatever that number is, a thousand, two thousand, there's nothing more satisfying than helping them go from where they are in college to where they are in their careers. And now I look at students who I had five, six, seven, eight years ago, and to your point, they are rising through the ranks at major corporations, major agencies, major companies. And I have always have a big smile on my face when I think about them because I can remember when they were just sitting in class and they didn't know where they were going to go. They didn't know how they were going to get their internship or where they were going to get their next jobs. And now they have, they've really risen through the ranks and they are becoming leaders. Absolutely. Thank you for that wonderful insight, right? It can evolve and should evolve. It's not something like which you find bottled up somewhere and then you suddenly find your purpose. Thank you for sharing that Absolutely. insight. Yeah. So before we end, Mark, right? Anybody who's listening, who wants to reach out to you, what is the best way for them to contact you and find out what you're up to? Absolutely. I appreciate that. I have a website that is www.markbealspeaks.com. And on there are just media interviews. My books are all on there. And as I mentioned, my latest book, ZEO, Introducing Gen Z, the New Generation Leaders. All my books are on Amazon. So just through a simple search using my name, Mark Beal, you'll see all my books for my first book, which was in 2017 titled 101 Lessons They Never Taught You in College, which was to help students transition from college to career to my latest book, ZEO. So through the website and through Amazon, 
they can find me. And from there, they can find probably plenty of ways to reach me and contact me. Absolutely. Thank you, Mark, for everything that you shared. And I want to wish you all the best for your evolving journey and what you have to contribute to the world. Thank you very much. I love the questions and really enjoyed this conversation. Absolutely. It has been a pleasure. And that wraps up another inspiring episode of the Visionary Voices series on the Choosing Leadership podcast. If you enjoyed this conversation and find value in this episode, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your feedback helps us reach more people and share these transformative insights with a wider audience. Remember, leadership is about continuous practice and not just about intellectual knowledge. And we love hearing from all of you. So feel free to reach out and share your thoughts, questions, and takeaways. Thank you for listening to Choosing Leadership. Always remember that you are enough, you are loved, and you matter. This is Sumit, and until the next time, keep choosing leadership.